Let us think about some of the uh, news stories from the past week. Sadly, the war continues in Ukraine. This week, Russian rockets hit a restaurant in Kramatorsk, killing 12 innocent civilians, including these two twin 14-year-old sisters. Riots are sweeping through France in the wake of police violence. This shop had been owned by a woman for 24 years. She lives above it and had to watch her life's work destroyed by rioters. There is a famine in the Tigray region of Ethiopia. Aid is not getting through due to the civil war there. Energy bills will go up as of this weekend after the government discount scheme ends. And this added to the rising interest rates, making mortgages more expensive, meaning there are many families now struggling to afford the basics. It is fair to say that there are many troubles in this world. There are many people who are suffering. And what makes that even harder to bear is that for so many people, the suffering seems completely unfair. They have done nothing to deserve it. Often they have just been caught up in things far bigger than themselves, caused either by criminal behavior or natural disaster or societal forces. They didn't see their trouble coming, and often they can do nothing to get themselves out of it. This is the reality of life. Bad things do happen to good people. It pains us all, and it leaves us in no doubt as to the brokenness of the world. I guess, as people of faith, these truths raise some difficult questions for us, foremost among them being, where is God in all of this? And does he really care? In our passage this morning, we're going to be reassured that God is present and God does care. And what is more, he has the power to provide for those in need. But we're also going to be faced with a challenge. Because as his people, God has a role for us to play in helping those in trouble. Our reading today was made up of three very short stories. And each one gives us a brief insight into some very human troubles. The first came from a time of natural disaster. A famine had ravaged the land. And the people were so hungry, they'd gone out foraging for food. They scraped together what wild herbs and vegetables they could find and threw them into a pot for a much-needed meal. However, foraging was obviously new to them, a mark of the desperation of the crisis that they were in. And accidentally, they had picked a few poisonous plants and put them into the pot as well. And suddenly, the whole community is at risk. Of harm. The second story also came from that time of famine, though this one is a little different. This time we see the poverty in the land. Those who had farmland of their own suddenly had access to the first harvest after the drought. They now have plenty of bread. But those without land are lagging far behind. They do not have what they need. 
And to his credit, a kind man offers some bread to those who are hungry. But what good is so little going to do among so many? The third story was an out-and-out accident, but it also shows up some of the wider troubles in society. A labourer was working with his axe. Suddenly the axe head flies off and sinks into the river. This was a real problem. The axe had been borrowed and iron was very expensive. Few people could afford it. This labourer had loaned the axe, promising to return it. There was no way that he could afford to buy a new one. This one little accident would push him into debt and the slavery necessary to pay that debt off, which would last for a very long time. This was not a trivial prospect. It was a very great trouble indeed and would cause much suffering to him and his family. Here we have then three short stories, three brief glimpses into the troubles that ordinary human beings find themselves facing. Natural disaster, poverty, inequality within society, debt and servitude. This is life as we know it. Life as we have seen on the news just this week. And there is something important that we should notice here. A uniting thread that runs through all three stories. This suffering is completely undeserved. All three of these stories involve the same group of people. The people described by the author as the company of the prophets. In other words, these were God's people in the land. More than that, these were the people so dedicated to the Lord that they had given up their lives to serve him, to teach his word among the community. Now, Israel was a very rebellious land at that time. We've seen that in recent weeks. The kings were up to all sorts of bad behavior. Idolatry and injustice was everywhere. Many had turned their backs on the Lord. This company of prophets was some of the few who had stayed loyal. They were the minority who had kept the faith. Yet here we read of them struggling to find food, too poor to buy bread, having accidents that could plunge them into debt and slavery. The Bible is unflinchingly honest. Bad things really do happen to good people. Yes, it is unfair. Yes, it is seemingly inexplicable. It is a sure sign of how broken our world is, how far it has fallen from God's original intention. But surely the message of these three little stories combined is that God does care. He doesn't lie back and move by what is taking place. He is not apathetic about the state of the world and his people within it. Far from it. God's compassionate heart breaks for those in need and he takes active steps to help them. In the first story, God enabled Elisha to do a miracle. When he put some flour into the pot, the poison of the mistakenly foraged plants is neutralized. 
In the second story, God enables the small offering of bread to stretch far enough to feed 100 people. A miracle of such proportion, there is even food left over at the end. Not a common sight in a time of famine. In the third story, God enables Elisha to retrieve the axe head by throwing a stick into the water. And let's not have any nonsense of Elisha using that stick to somehow fish the axe head out. It clearly says that the axe head floated. This is a miracle, only achievable by God himself. God cared so much for that one unnamed person who was about to fall into debt, that he steps in and saves him from it. God really does care about the small people. No pain is too insignificant for him to be moved by it. These three stories add together to show us that God does care about his world. He does care about his people and he has the power to put things right. The Bible is very clear as to why our world is as broken as it is. The world fell from God's perfect intention when human beings sinned. It is our combined sin that has caused the pain that we see on our TV screens week by week. Every time we witness an innocent person suffer, we are reminded that things have gone wrong and we had a part to play in that. God never wanted the world to be this way, but he allowed it to happen out of his determination to give human beings freedom of thought and action. God created us because he wants to enjoy a relationship of love with us. And for us to truly love, we must have free will. For we all know that love can never be forced. But in giving us free will, God knew that we would at times make the wrong choices and pain would be the result. But never confuse the suffering in our world with a lack of care on God's part. God does care. He deeply cares. He will not override our free will, but he will step in to help those in need. Not every occasion of suffering witnesses a miracle, but the good God is present and will help the people involved. Elisha's job as a prophet was to urge the people to hold on to this truth. His day-to-day -day life was wandering about the land, persuading the people to remain faithful to the Lord, even in tough times, so they would never regret it. These little miracles were signs to back up the truth of his teaching. And still today, we should read these miracles as signs. God is as pained by the suffering in the world as we are. And for that reason, he is making the way for the world to be put right. In time, God will use his power not just to step in here or there, but to transform everything that exists, to return the whole of creation to how it intended to be. Famine and hunger will be no more. Poverty and debt will be no more. Slavery and suffering will be no more. All will be made well. In a moment, we'll hear again 
how he's going to achieve this. So far then, we've recognized that bad things do happen to good people. And that is because we live in a fallen world. But we've also seen a few precious indications that God really cares about human beings in distress. And he will do what he can to bring that distress to an end. This hope, this promise is the encouragement that we all need to hear at times. But there is also a challenge inherent in these verses. For God to achieve his ends, he needs his people not to run away from those who are suffering, but to go and show compassion. What is so noticeable in these short stories is the direction of travel that Elisha takes. Have a look at verse 38 of chapter 4, the very first words we read. Elisha returned to Gilgal and there was a famine in that region. Elisha actively traveled into Gilgal. He was away and he returned to the land. He came knowing there was a famine there. Elisha didn't stay where all the food and all the prosperity was. He traveled to where the hunger was. He traveled to where the need was to be found. Then in chapter 6, the laborers are heading out to cut down their trees. And one of them turns to Elisha and asks him, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. Here is Elisha, important prophet Elisha, going and spending time with ordinary laborers. He joins them in their toil. And it was because he was there, present, alongside them, that he could bring them help when the crisis occurred. Elisha didn't look for an easy life. He set out to live a life for the Lord amongst the ordinary people amongst those who were in need. And just by doing so, he demonstrated God's interest and care and compassion for ordinary people like you and I. In all three of these stories, Elisha doesn't have all the answers. Elisha cannot solve this suffering on his own. But he can demonstrate faithfulness to God. On each occasion, he did the same thing. He witnessed people's suffering. He picked up whatever he had at hand to help them, and he relied on God to do the rest. In the first story, there was flour that he had at hand. He throws it into the pot and prays that God will do something with it. In the second story, it's a few loaves of bread. Instead of scoffing them for himself, because surely he was hungry too, he gave them out. He trusted God's promise that there would be enough. In the third story, he had nothing but a stick. He throws it into the water, trusting God would do the rest. This, then, is the pattern for faithful ministry in a broken world. We are to go to where the suffering people are. We are to do what good we can with the limited resources that we have. And we are to trust God to do the rest. He will show his care to those in need. If we remain faithful to him in the trouble, we will encourage others to look to him 
as well. And of course, as Christians, we believe that this is exactly what Jesus did. God looked down and he saw the suffering in our world and he cared deeply about it. So he sent his son to come and be exactly where the suffering is. He sent his son to be amongst the needy people like you and I. Jesus walked the dusty streets of Israel. He spoke to the sick and the bereaved, the poor and the outcast. He was a man of sorrows who lived among the sorrowful. Jesus came to be where the suffering was. And then he gave what he had to make a difference. He gave up his very life to death on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin that caused all this brokenness in the first place. And then he trusted his father to do the rest, which he did in raising Jesus to life again. As Christians, we believe that the way to a new world where suffering is no more was paved because Jesus came to the suffering and gave up his life for us. This is the model of a compassionate ministry. This is how God wants his people to live in the world today. I'd like to give two examples, just brief examples of how this might work. In 1854, there was a terrible cholera epidemic in London. Hundreds of people died. And at that time, there was a young 20-year-old preacher. And he'd had a hard time since being called to his new church in the city. He'd been mocked for being so young. He'd been mocked for coming from the countryside. People thought he was a vulgar yokel that should just go back home. The city wasn't the place for him. There were even cartoons his ministry in the paper. Yet during the epidemic, everyone changed their view. Because while all the others were fleeing London to get away from the cholera, this young man went house to house visiting the sick. He comforted them on their deathbeds. He took numerous funerals. He prayed with bereaved families. He didn't perform any miracles. He wasn't Elisha. But he gave himself to be with those who were suffering. And he kept pointing them to the faithfulness of God in their time of need. And when that epidemic eventually passed, the young preacher was seen in a new light. Here was a man who practiced what he preached. Here was a young man whose faith shone in a time of great darkness. Here was a man who showed the people what Jesus is like. Soon people were pouring into his church to hear the word of God. From the ridicule and the mockery of the papers, he became the best known minister in the country with the biggest church in the world. And his name was Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Through Spurgeon's going to those in need and doing what he could, a great risk to himself. Thousands of people came to faith. In 2019, a lady moved to Isla. She'd had a difficult time. She arrived on our island with very little furniture, 
fact, no furniture to fill her small flat. So a church heard about this and wanted to help. They bought her a furniture and tried to help her settle in. Although not a person of faith, this woman was impressed by this act and wanted to say thank you. She came to the church, and to her great surprise, she rather enjoyed it. A few months later, she had come to faith in Jesus. A few months after that, she got baptised. You know this lady, and you know this story, because she told it to us at her baptism service. This lady is, of course, Sarah. It was God who brought Sarah to himself. We cannot do that for her. But she heard about him because in her time of need, a church offered what little they could. In doing so, they demonstrated to Sarah what God was like and encouraged her to ask more questions. I hope we can see the point. Troubles come in our world. They come to us all. God really cares about these things. He cares so much he sent Jesus to die for our sin and make a world where this suffering is no more. But while we wait for that day, God calls us not to hide away in safety, but to live among those who are struggling and to offer them what help we can. And we pray that as we offer what little we have, God will demonstrate his faithfulness. God will step in and do what is necessary to bring help to those in need. We worship a compassionate God, and this is how we are to live as his people. Let us pray together.